Well, good morning, Crossroads. So good to see you today. And yes, my wife and I, we are still on vacation. If you haven't recognized that or known that, but listen, we're just um, enjoying it. She's feeding me bonbons. I'm staying in the cool wherever I can because I don't like summer. But listen, what I do like about summer is this series that we've been in for three weeks now called Summer at Crossroads. Today, we're wrapping up that series. And once again today, to wrap up this series, it is Keisha Maybe, our daughter, a friend of Crossroads, a long, long, long time person here at Crossroads that comes with a lot of energy, that comes with a lot of passion, a lot of rawness, and just has the ability to take God's Word and make it relevant and heartfelt every single time she's here on this stage. So would you give a warm Crossroads welcome one more time to Keisha Maybe? Good morning. Good morning. Last week, I didn't really talk a whole lot. If so, if you missed it, sorry. Um, this week, I will be talking more. But last week, we had quite the experience. So we did prayer stations around the church, and it was quite a wonderful experience. Um, it was felt like God really showed up, and it was just different and unique. And hopefully that was something, if you got to participate in, it was something that you thought about Hopefully you're able to bring it into your everyday life starting. Remember, we're trying to new habits and new practices. So I actually wanted to do another hands-on thing today, but they're like, Keisha, you can't do six days notice and we can't pull this off. So it's one day to be announced. It will happen. So to this is the end of July. August is tomorrow. Summer's quickly folding up. It's gone really fast. The older I get, the faster these things go. So this is the last week of the series we we're in, Summer at Crossroads. Fair just ended. Anyone get to go to the fair? Okay, we had the fair. Vacations are wrapping up. School shopping has begun. Preseason football will be kicking off. The days grow shorter, and that can be so painful for people like me who have seasonal affect disorder. That's such a bummer when the sun starts setting at 5 o'clock. Hopefully we have a couple more months until then, right? I suppose every season must come to an end, just like summer, and every end is bittersweet. But isn't that true of life? Life is bittersweet. Sometimes life is really sweet, and sometimes, most of the time, it's bittersweet. And other times, it just downright sucks. I think I'm allowed to say sucks in church, but if I'm not, I'm in big trouble because I'm going to say a lot during this sermon, so I guess it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, but life has a lot of sucky things that happen to us, and then there are things in life that we do that are pretty awful as well, things we're pretty bad at ourselves that we suck at, and a day to make us all feel better, I'm going to discuss the things that most humans are awful at. There is a saying that says misery loves company, and it can be very freeing and healing to find company in that misery. Not just to drag other people down, but more to that way to look at people and be like, okay, I'm not alone in this. There is strength in numbers. And I think there is more strength in recognizing that we are not different from each other. When I was in high school, we had a youth pastor here named Kyle Mitchell. And he was very into jokes and he loved jokes and he loved pulling pranks on people. And so we wanted one night to decide to pull a prank back on Kyle. He had inspired us to do so. 
So me and a few church friends, we got together and we were like, let's show our appreciation for Kyle by TP in his house. Except we were going to elevate it and take it a step further. And we thought in our teenage brains, wouldn't it be hilarious to not just TP his house, but to epic TP his house with trash? What if we take trash from his own trash bins and TP it about? You can see where this is going, right? So it was a group about five or six of us, and we sneak into, up to his house at, late at night, and we find his garbage bins because it's garbage night. And we slash those trash bags open and we sprinkle trash all over his yard. And they had babies at the time, so lots of diapers were involved. And we TP'd it so well and we dumped every last bit of trash we could find on the yard and we snickered and we giggled and we gagged the whole way through it. And the next morning, Kyle did not respond quite like we had hoped he would. He was not happy in his response. And we quickly realized that what we had done was not funny at all, especially when raccoons greeted them in the early morning. But in fact, it was a sucky thing for us to do. And we sucked at TPing. We wanted to be funny. We really wanted to nail the prank thing out of the park. But it turned out we were really bad at it. So all my life, I've had two other dreams in my life. Like, yes, being a mom was one of them. Getting married was another one. Being a counselor was another one. But my epic dreams, if you were to sit me down and you ask me a few things that I want to do in my life, one, I want to be the next Kelly Ripa. So Kelly, if you ever watch this, I'm your girl. Second, I just want to dance. That's all I want to do. I just want to dance. And then I want to rap. I literally rap once a day. I try to spit my own raps and freestyle. My kids are really embarrassed by it. But my friends, I'm terrible at both dancing and rapping. Just terrible. I suck at both. Brandon laughs at me because all I want to do is dance. I'll just tell him all I want to do is dance, but I suck. And all I want to do is have an epic battle rap off with Eminem, but I suck. And those are just minor things that I really am not good at. Some of you, you might suck at singing too. Some of you suck at cooking. Maybe people don't tell you it, but they do. And some of you at driving, some of you at golfing, some of you at knitting, some of you at picking out clothes. We all have our thing. And most of us suck at things that mean more to those big things than just those little things. And so today, to build our morale, we're going to talk about the area of life people, even Jesus' followers, suck at. You're welcome. The big thing we suck at, the thing we are going to focus everything around today, is people. We can be terrible at relationships. Terrible at relationships. We can be amazing at them. We have some relationships that we probably thrive in but we can also have ones that we are just awful at. So if you take out your note sheet, there's a lot of verses on there, I know. Don't scoff at the Bible though, okay? One fill-in, and we're going to get it right out of the way. People are the greatest part of life, but they are also the hardest part of life. The most frustrating thing is people are everywhere. Everywhere we work with them, 
We live with them. We avoid them, if you're like me. We shop with them. We go to ball games with them. We go to church with them. We go on planes with them. Every single thing we do involves people. I remember when COVID first hit, I was almost relieved. I could avoid people, and it was acceptable. My fellow introverts, you understand me, right? I'm an outgoing introvert, which means I can talk to all the people. I can strike up conversations with all of the people anywhere I'm at. Just ask my kids. We talk to no less than 12 people when we go out in public, and that just includes the strangers. I love the people, but the people, they drain me. They drain me. I have learned that I can mingle and do life with people, but I need a book in my family at the end of the day. I need a book in my family at the end of a busy people week. And you know, some people, they're extroverts. They're like, party on Friday. We're going to get together on Saturday. We're going to have a cookout on Sunday. That makes me twitch. That's a lot of peopling. A lot. I love you people. I just can't three days in a row. That's just a lot. So when COVID locked us down, I was like, praise God. I can be my whole introverted self without caring. I can stay at home all of the time without even feeling FOMO, which means fear of missing out, which is my only people motivator most of the time. I don't want to miss out. But obviously, me and my fellow introverts, we had to reemerge and enter the people realm again, didn't we? A moment of silence for that lost time. And that meant dealing with people Again, the greatest part of life, but also the hardest part of life. And you know what? Relationships change. They can be really wonderful and healthy, and then they can become complicated and complex. A wise colleague that I used to have, Tim Butler, once told me that complicated is like a sandwich. There are different components, but we can take it apart and reassemble. Complex, on the other hand, is like baking with cookies, right? Different parts you mix together, you blend it all in, and once it's blended, it cannot be separated. We can never pull the egg from the flour. It just cannot happen. But you have to learn to adapt and manage the complex. And people are both com complicated and complex. And relationships can be both. So yet this Christian life, it's all about people. Why, Jesus, right? All about people, how we interact, how we care, how we invest, all about people. So two passages speak to this beautifully. We're just going to read through them, so just bear with me. First one's Romans 12, 9 through 18. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Hmm. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 
Finally, this is next, 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. I think when I read these passages, there are a few areas that most of us can work on that are mentioned in these passages in order to strengthen how we relate to others. Number one that we're going to talk about is celebration. What a simple concept until our human messes it up. Don't we love celebrations? We do. Life is hard and overwhelming, and anytime we can celebrate, we want to, until we don't. And usually that involves celebrating other people. I'm not saying everyone is like this, but a lot of people are like this. We went on a day trip to Lake Michigan on Friday. We go to South Haven. It's like our family tradition. Once a summer, we drive up there and we go to Lake Michigan. There was this family of mostly adults, probably five adults, and they had an eight-month-old baby, I would guess, in their arms. And they were so excited for this baby. It must be the baby's like first trip to the beach or something, right? And they would, the mom of the baby, I'm assuming, would dip the baby down and pull it up and everyone, yeah, you know, you know, you've had, some of you have had the kids, some of you've been around the kids, you know what we do. So she did it again. Yay! Like he won the Super Bowl and they did it over and over and over again. They would hoot and they would holler and they would cheer for this baby simply because someone else dipped his feet in the water. I thought, celebrating accomplishments, when does that end? When do we stop doing that for each other? When do the applause stop? I don't know about you, but I no longer get applauded or celebrated when I walk across the room without falling. I no longer get applauded when I use a spoon the right way. When do our celebrations begin to wear off? If someone gets a promotion or buys a new car or goes on a big vacation or has a new baby, we love to want to celebrate, but so often we start to shift to comparing their situation to our situation, justifying why we don't have those things. Or we say to them, we are so happy for you, and I believe we really want to be. And then we'll go, I bet someone left them money. And we become demeaning and we devalue them. And we're looking for some kind of loophole the individuals must have found in order to achieve something or something unfair in the universe must have taken place to give them this. And we start to attack it. Why? To make ourselves feel better. We want to justify why we are not experiencing these things. It makes us feel good if we can demean someone else. If we can critique and pick apart the good in someone else's life, then it leaves us feeling that the good isn't really desirable anyway. And we believe we are proving our worth by demeaning them and the good they have experienced. Someone else's good does not take away from our value. Someone else's good does not take away from our value. Our good and their good can both be true. We think that if we acknowledge someone else's good, that we are saying they are better. If we are acknowledging someone else's success, it must mean that ours isn't good enough, and that is simply not true. But if we live like that, 
we are the wounded ones. If we live to tear down or critique or demean and to pick apart, then we are the ones that have something sick that we need to figure out and heal. First, we need to understand that a human's value does not come from their performance or from their successes. A human is a human is a human. A human is a human is a human. And we tend to have a hard time celebrating people when we think their successes make them more valuable than us. Our value is simply value because we were designed by God in his image. Money, family, accomplishments, fame, those things do not add or subtract from our value. And each human has value simply because they are human. When we accept that, we stop seeing our value wrapped up in a rat race. And we can celebrate people genuinely. Second, we need to begin to not only verbalize our happiness for other people to them, but in private as well. I can say things to people that I may not believe wholeheartedly. But if I say negative critiques in private, I reinforce my own jealousy and negativity and resentment. What we work out in private, what we focus on in private becomes our heart and our rhythm. List people you are jealous of and then praise them to their face with your words publicly and then praise them privately in your own home and your own heart. We need to celebrate and rejoice with others. Number two that we need to work on as human beings is grieving with people. Another thing we as people struggle with is grieving with them. I'm not sure what it is, but when someone is going through a season of grief, we simply don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, but unfortunately, it leads us to doing the exact thing we're trying to avoid. When someone has experienced loss, and I don't even mean death, it can be loss of any sort, it makes us uncomfortable. We're not sure what to say, and sometimes when people follow Jesus, our response is sometimes we want to be helpful, but they become less helpful and even more harmful. Grief is a part of life. You have experienced it, you are experiencing it, or you will experience it. Grief comes without a rule book. It's not a one-size-fits-all. And I think that's what creates our response to grief to be so awkward at times. So many of us don't know how to handle sadness and despair, so we want to say words that take away those feelings from others. And people will say things like, it's God's will. Or thank God you can have another one. Or you're young enough to try again. Or time will heal or I know how you feel, or you should try to get over it. I want to share something about these statements. Don't say these. Don't say these things to people. It is not our job to take away someone's grief. Our job is to simply grieve with them, to see them in their pain, to acknowledge the pain, and to feel with them. It is okay that people are sad. It is okay that people grieve. We are not feeling healers. We are feeling companions. 
We need to mourn with each other. We don't have to give explanations or justifications as to why someone is walking through grief and loss, but we simply need to walk with them. Sit in their trench. No one in the trench wants to hear someone from the mountaintop tell them how pretty the view is. No one wants to hear that. When we want someone, and when we're in the trench, what we want is someone to leave their mountain and to find us in the trench. Bring flowers to the trench. Plow the snow off the trench. Send a card to the trench. Come in and get messy in the trench and give me a hug. Cry with us in the trench. Telling someone to look at the mountain will not be helpful to the person in the trench. To tell someone there must be a reason for their trench is not helpful. Validating the pain of the trench, seeing the person's pain, that is helpful. Simply being present in someone's pain is all we need to do. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. It does not say, not cheer up people who are weeping. does not say that. It does not say, tell those in mourning to flip their frown upside down. There is nothing worse than someone trying to make you feel better when you just need to be sad. Sadness is not a bad emotion. There are no bad emotions. There are heavy emotions and light emotions. Dempsey, our middle daughter, is so good at this. She's good at voicing this to us. If she becomes sad and we're trying to help her figure it out, or sometimes we as parents do flip that frown upside down, she will say to us, I just need to be sad right now. And that right there is truth for all of us. When we are experiencing grief, it is okay that we just need to be sad for the time being. That doesn't mean we should root ourselves in it forever and ever and let it define us. But grief is like a leaf falling. The feelings change with grief. Some days we feel full of life and are happy and hopeful. Other days we feel down and sad and angry and resentful. That's grief. And we need to be the people that do not try to erase people's grief, but become a shoulder to cry on and lean on. We need to be trench dwellers, not mountaintop yellers. Number three, listening. We don't need to talk about this one, I'm sure. Another area we as people tend to be, tend to suck at is listening. Again, not everyone. I was taught early in life not to make assumptions like never, always, every. To group all the people in this category would not be fair, but can we be honest? Most of us struggle with listening. We tend to want to focus on our own ideas and our thoughts, our stories, our beliefs, and we really want those to be heard. I am really bad at this. I'll be in a conversation, I'll be like, okay, I have this point to make. And it's almost like I'm not listening anymore because I just have a point I need to make. Anyone else like that? I'm the only one? Okay, I can't be, right? I'm trying to find my like people here. But then instead of listening and hearing, we don't really care to because we're focused on our own stuff. We have a retired pastor neighbor friend who every time we talk to him, he truly listens to us. Not only does he listen, but he genuinely cares. And then he remembers. He asks us follow-up questions, and he checks in with us. He and I found ourselves in a discussion the other day where we actually disagreed on the topic we were talking about. And it was the nicest, most caring disagreement I have ever been involved in. 
And I left like, I want more of that. Our kids the other day, they were arguing. School is soon, guys. School is soon. And each one was trying to share their side of the story, right? And they were talking over each other, trying to share their perspective of what happened. And we reminded them that anytime we have a disagreement, it should not be about winning the argument. It should not be about proving ourselves right. That's not what a disagreement should focus on. It's really about gaining understanding about where the other person is coming from and empathizing with them in that, trying to gain perspective. I was just listening to an Andy Stanley interview about probably a year and a half ago when COVID and everything was really in its big boom. And if you don't know who that is, he's a wonderful pastor from Atlanta, has written lots of books, and his communication skills from the stage are up out of this world. And so anytime Andy Stanley talks, you want to listen to him. And he was saying that everyone lands their opinions at a place that makes sense to them. Every person that has an idea or a thought or a perspective came to that conclusion because it made sense to them. So asking for clarification and understanding allows us to see where other people are coming from. Instead of coming out of the gate trying to be right or prove our point, what if we ask the other person to walk us down the path they took to get to their conclusion? Instead of saying, you're wrong, listen to me, this is what's right, you're ridiculous, what if we say, help me understand or tell me how you landed there? I read the other day that in the Gospels, Jesus is asked 187 questions. He answers, parents, listen to this, only eight of them. Wow, okay, I'm going to limit myself, not answering questions today. He himself asks 307 questions. Jesus, the knower of all the things, asked 307 questions. Questions lead to responses. Questions help us dissect and learn. Jesus could have walked around telling people what to do, what was wrong with them, but he approached people through questions. And when we question, we usually need to listen for a response. Listening, hearing people, not to prove them wrong, but to gain understanding and perspective. There's a reason James 1.19 says, be slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. I might need this tattooed on myself. Next time you are in a conversation that you feel the need to prove you are right or you're trying to get to the point, ask yourself, am I listening well? Am I trying to understand where this person is coming from? People are the hardest part of life and they're the greatest part of life. People are the greatest part of life and they are the hardest part of life. They make life so rich, but they also make it so terrible. But our job is to live like Jesus. And I know that can sound redundant, and it should until we master it. Our job is to live and love like Jesus. As humans, we struggle with celebrating, grieving, and listening. But as Christ followers, it is a standard to which we should live by. 
So I'm going to piggyback on last week's message for a bit, where we had the short message and then we engaged in the prayer stations. And I want us to continue to add prayer to our arsenal. A book I'm reading right now, it says, I Haven't Learned That Yet by Shauna Nequist. I like her. She's a pastor's daughter, and so I hear her heart. And so she talks about one of Jesus' prayers, and it's on your sheet. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can reference it later. When he prayed for his disciples, she mentions that Jesus prayed four things in this prayer for his disciples. Union, protection, joy, and sanctification. Fancy way of saying like pure without sin, Christ-like. What if we prayed like that for the people in our life? Imagine how things could change, not just with the people, but in our own hearts. And what if we didn't just pray that way for people we cared for? Because that's easy. I'll pray for the people I like all the time. But what if we prayed for the people we struggled with? What if we prayed for the people we disliked? Yes, as Christians, we are supposed to love people, but we are people we don't like. Am I right? And we need to work on that and pray for them. What if we prayed for the people we were annoyed with? The people that put signs in their yard that we just cannot agree with. People that make us angry. People who hurt us. What if we named them in prayer and prayed for them the same way Jesus prayed for his disciples? Again, it doesn't mean that person will change or the relationship will change. Again, when someone hurts us, the point is forgiveness. It's not relationship or trust or even like. But what if prayer changes us, changes our hearts, our perspectives? What if it softens us to God's will? What if we really begin to live like a little Christ? Did you know that's what Christian really means? Little Christ. What if we really lived like a little Christ? What if we celebrated others well? Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding. What if we mourned with them well? Jesus wept when his best friend died. What if we listened to them? Jesus was asked so many questions. What if we prayed for them? I'm going to assign life work for this week. I want you to write down a person that you do not celebrate well. You don't really want to listen to them. And you definitely wouldn't want to mourn with them. And you turn your cart the other way when you see them in the grocery store aisle. And then I want you to pray for them. And I want you to pray these things for them. Union, protection, joy, and sanctification. In order for us to live like Jesus, we have to continually put in the heart work. And when we mess it up, we begin again. What if our heartbeat and our desire was to become like a little Christ, celebrating others well, mourning with them, and listening to them? I'm going to read those verses that we talked about one more time with this lens. Don't just to pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help. 
Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. We need to just pause right there, right? Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Hmm. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. It's another one. We could really have another sermon after this, right? With all these other points. Never pay back evil with more evil. Oh boy. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. There's that one again. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. And stay, instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Will you pray with me? Jesus, being a little Christ can be really, really hard. We're just going to be honest and put that out there. It can be really hard and can be really challenging, especially when we have to live with people. But, God, you created people, and you want us to love people. Not correct people, not to prove our point to people all the time, but to simply celebrate with people, mourn with people, not repay evil with evil with people. Listen to people, pray for people, bless people, not curse people. Give us the strength to live like little Christ. Give us the wisdom. Give us the perseverance. Help us to see the grace in that. Help us to love people like you really loved people. Forgive us for the moments that we do not. But thank you so much for new days, new opportunities, new moments to become more like a little Christ. For those of you who are today, you, maybe you do not know anything about this Jesus stuff. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you've done things your own way, whatever the story is. I just want you to hear that Jesus doesn't want anything from you today except to hear that he loves you. He cares about you. He has a purpose for you. And he just wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. Yes, we make wrong choices because we're human, but Jesus sent, came to this earth to die so we could have a relationship with him forever. And if that's relationship you want, will you please pray in your heart after me today? Dear Jesus, I ask that you come into my life and be the leader of my life. Forgive me for the wrong choices that I have made. I want to follow you. I want to be near to your son. I want to live life like you and spend forever with you in heaven. 
I want to follow you today. For those of you who have already decided to walk with Jesus, may we really become like little Christ. May we really focus on becoming like that. Focus on knowing him well, walking with him, being like him. People are looking to us as to what Jesus looks like. And Jesus was a very caring, loving, forgiving, listening guy who just wanted to be with people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Crossroads. How you doing today, wherever you're joining us from? Those of you worshiping live with us, good morning. Those of you that are worshiping from afar, maybe you're on vacation, like my wife and I have been on vacation, uh, trying to get a little bit of rest, a little bit of disconnect. But next week, listen, we're going to kick off a brand new series of messages um, on a very, very powerful Old Testament character, something that's very relatable to your life and to my life. It's about faith and uh, boy, we all could grow in our faith. And if you want to kind of get a sneak peek or at least get more familiar with Elisha and his story, it's in the book of 2 Kings, right around chapter 6. You can back up or forward, whatever you choose to do. But uh, listen, I'll be back next week to kick off this brand new series, a four-week part series of, on the book of Elisha or on the character of Elisha. So let, let me tell you, if you could use a little boost, you could use a little faith, you could use a little drive and determination, you don't want to miss. Bring someone with you, invite them, and we'll see you next Sunday. The Lord sent his great messenger Elijah to anoint a prophet to follow him. God chose someone ordinary. Elijah found Elisha, a nobody, plowing his father's field. And what was Elisha's response? He burned his plow and left everything he knew to answer God's call. Even the ordinary can be called to greatness. His very first miracle repeated his mentor's last. The rest of Elisha's life was original, surprising, bold. More miracles fill the pages of his life story than anyone's but the Son of God himself. From ridiculous faith and extraordinary tale services. Elisha, a tale of ridiculous faith. Well, just a couple of announcements before we dismiss today. Um, outdoor baptism is going to be taking place at, uh, the, at the Pretty Men's in Lock Aaron on August 21st at 3 p.m. So if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, this is your next step. So consider um, showing up and, and being a part of this baptism. It's going to be absolutely amazing. If you are uh, interested in learning more about that, you can sign up, first of all, um, on the church app, if you have it, or the church website that I love my church.org. You just go to the events tab and you'll see outdoor baptism under that. 
or you can easy as pie walk out to the what's happening center and these ladies will help you out there there will be a meeting august 14th right after each worship experience so that you can learn more you can ask questions and you can know exactly what you're stepping into there um, if you have kids fourth grade or younger who want to be baptized we welcome that but we want to make sure that they totally understand what they're doing so we would ask that you contact Joyce Ely. You can call her at 517-266-1919, or you can email her at Joyce at ilovemychurch.org, and she'll set up a Kid Crossing baptism meeting just to make sure everything's clear with them. So definitely um, consider consider that. The other thing that's going on is we are back to missions. Missions trips are going to start happening again. This is so exciting. If you have ever considered going on a missions trip, or maybe you're just not so sure about that, but you know you want to help in some way, shape, or form, that's great too. You can sign up for that, um, and there will be a mission trip training kickoff meeting also August 14th. So go to the church app, Go to uh, the church website under that events tab again. You'll see missions. You can sign up there. Or again, that What's Happening Center, they got it going on. They'll help you out with that as well. So consider those things and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you.